You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Hello once again, race fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Dropping the Hammer Racing Hour here on the Grueling Truth, where legends speak. I'm Alex Gray, along here with Michael Fight. Today we have a very special guest here with us. It's ARCA Racing driver Brad Smith joining us here today. Brad, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Hey, you're welcome. Uh, so to start things off, uh, Brad, you want to just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your racing background? Sure. Um, I started out in ARCA, you know, in the Supercar Series back in 1988. Uh, we ran part-time for about, you know, our first 10 seasons, and then we went full-time back in 2000 and have been pretty much full-time since then. And uh, dropped you know, tapered off in 2012 due to a lack of money, and then James Hilton picked me up as a driver in 2014, and I was with him, you know, up till when he passed away two years ago, and, uh, you know, when that tragic accident happened, we decided we were going to try and keep the team going, you know, in his honor and memory, and uh, we've been actually doing fairly decent since then. Think we're think we're sixth in driver points right now in ARCA. So that uh, that's it in a nutshell. Awesome. And of course, uh, you just came off of uh, a great race at Winchester, scoring a top ten. Um, how did thirty-two years of crying, thirty-two years of frustration? Brad Smith <laughs> comes across the line for his first top ten. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much how we felt. Um, it was yeah. good to get kind of get that monkey off our back, so to speak. Just uh, you know, we're a we're a pretty low budget team, so for us, a top ten is like winning a race. So uh, it was good to do that, and you know, hopefully we can get another one this year before the season's over. That'd be real nice. Yeah, especially when you consider the caliber of competition you often have in ARCA, at least used to have, because, you know, I know a lot of people bring up now you only get, you know, like between 10, 15 cars per race, and it used to be you would have more people entering these than a cup race, so, yeah. you know, yep. it's like having that kind yep. of a competition for such a small team, it really is difficult to do that, and so after 30 years of, you know, just toiling away at that, that's got to feel really good. Oh, yeah, oh, yep, in, in, I know the car count itself is down, but I'll tell you what, there's still at least 10 cars that show up that are like million-dollar type teams. So uh, it's it's still pretty tough to get in the top 10, even though the car count is down. So uh, we, uh, you know, we're grateful that that happened finally. Yeah, and you know, especially among the back markers, you usually have a pretty good battle going there. I mean, I think not only you, but also, Connick Opolis and Eric Cadell, both of whom I've worked for, have both gotten mm-hmm. their first top 10. 
which, I mean, that was just incredible to watch. Just being able to be there and see that was awesome to see. Yep. Yep. Well, we thank you. We appreciate that. And uh, Eric and Con and also Mike Basham uh, was part of that top ten group in the in the Winchester race, and he's been a good friend of ours for a long time. In fact, he and his his dad and I were pretty much teammates there for about a five, six, seven year period. So, uh, yeah, it was just good for the for the budget guys to get their day, so to speak. So it's uh, it's cool. Hopefully, it'll happen again. In fact, I think all all four of us, me, Con, Mike, and Eric, we're all in the Memphis race coming up uh, tomorrow. So we're all hoping to duplicate those top tens if possible. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, you got Memphis coming up. Uh, anything you want to preview for that race? Or how are things looking? How are things feeling for, uh, for Memphis? Well, for us, you know, again, we almost are racing our, our budget or our wallet instead of the other guys. And, and this late in the season, you know, the the budget's about gone. So we're, you know, we're coming. We're coming to show up and stay in the running, stay in the points. Um, you know, we want to get a top ten for driver points for the year, which we pretty much have that wrapped up as long as we don't miss a race between now and Kansas. But, uh, again, it's not like we're going out to win the race. We're just going out there to to put in as many laps as we can. And us, us smaller guys have what we call the race within the race where, you know, we know we're not going to beat Chad Bryant or Venturini's or Ty Gibbs' car. But, you know, again, if I beat the guys like Mike Basham, Eric Caudell, or Khan, uh, for us, we, we, we feel like we won the race, you know, or... You know, we call it the king of the shit pile for a week. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, we know what our budget is, we know what their budget is. And, you know, when you can beat the guys that are on similar plateau as you are, it feels good. I mean, it, uh, you know, we're not going to deny that. And, uh, again, we'd love to be running with the big boys and going for the, the real checker flag. But, uh, you know, it's just really not in the cards this season. And until we get some, you know, fairly decent sponsorship, you know, it, it won't it won't happen until we get that behind us. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. you know, I think I think both you and I can kind of contribute to that. I mean, you know, we both come mm-hmm. from the same background. Heck, you know, you and I have the same sponsor, NASCAR Low Team. Um, okay. But yeah, I think, but yeah, I think we both know uh, how hard that is to compete in the yep. sport on such a small budget like that. Yep. Yep, very much so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the past couple of years, it's pretty much just been, you know, what low teams gives me that allowed me to race. You know, okay. that's unfortunately just the position I'm in. You know, I don't come from money. Um, you know, I don't come from a racing family. So it's really right. about making all those connections I can and making the funding where I can get it. But, you know, I'm, I'm certainly grateful to everybody. Yep. Same, you know. same with us. And uh, we're glad low teams picked us up and decided to help us out a little bit as much as they could. And, uh, again, they're helping us make connections, uh, you know, make getting, getting things out on Twitter, um, you know, just making us more valuable 
to a potential sponsor. And again, that uh, that means a lot to us, and we definitely appreciate their help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly, definitely. Um, <clears throat> all right. So um, this week but, is also you know. Uh, I just kind of want to throw this out there. You know, it's great that now you have that top ten. You know, I think now there's two things that people kind of remember you for now is that you have this top ten going against ARCA. And, you know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I think before that, a lot of people, you know, mainly remembered that, like you had at Talladega a few years ago. You know, I don't oh, think that's yep. a claim to fame. Any driver won. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'd rather be known for winning one than tearing a wall down. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can say this, though. I think everybody was just glad to see you walk away from that. I mean, I remember watching that one, you know, sit on my couch. I think that was the first time I'd ever heard your name was, you know, I just saw the car go straight into the wall. and just thinking, right. oh, my goodness. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, the driver, I've never been in that situation, fortunately, but I just can't imagine what that must be like. And, you know, it's something I hope I ever have to. You know, I certainly accept it if it does, but. Right. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's just one of those things. I mean, we all know it, it kind of it's the risk you take driving a race car. Um, two things, you know, luckily that wall had a safer barrier on it because yeah. at that time very few tracks had a safer barrier on the inner wall. You know, a lot of, a lot of tracks had started putting them on the outer walls but if I'm not mistaken, Daytona and Talladega might have been the only two tracks at that time that had that barrier on the inner wall. And uh, needless to say, I mean, I, I can say almost for certain that that barrier saved my life. So, uh, yeah. you know, thankful for that. Um, I don't you know, know how I think... you guys know about safer barriers, but uh, a guy named Dr. Dean Sicking actually designed those things. And, uh, you know, very thankful for his work and very thankful for the fact that a lot of tracks have uh, put those things up. And, uh, you know, they've saved a lot of lives in the last 10 years for sure. Definitely. Yeah, you know, and looking back, you know, I would say that I think that may have been the first race with it there. Because, you know, I can remember, you know, at the previous point race, which was Daytona, was when Kyle Busch broke his leg. Because he hit the inside mm-hmm. wall, really around that same spot, right? You yeah. know, and yeah. it was not protected. So, right. Yeah, unfortunately, in in the stock cars, uh, I mean, they're built really well. They're ba- built to take a hell of a hit. Um, you know, in our case, the throttle was jammed wide open, and uh, I didn't have any steering or any brakes, so. I was just really along for the ride until we hit something. So, uh, and, and, you know, the driver's feet is still a little bit of a vulnerable area, uh, and that's what most of my injuries were. Everybody thought I had broken ankles and all that kind of stuff, and honestly, I did not break a bone in that accident. Um, you know, I had sprained ankles, but... Uh, when the roll bar broke loose, it like dug into the skin almost like an ice cream scooper, and uh, oh. you know that was yeah that was that was you know what the serious injuries were was it took skin grafts to you know kind of 
you know, get the form and the muscle back the way it belonged. Uh, the bone structure was okay. Um, it just took a lot of healing, you know, and a, and a skin graft to get uh, get that ankle back the way it should have been. So uh, it was a long recovery, but I recovered. So all all is good. Yeah, that's really all you can hope for. And, yeah, that's kind of interesting to hear because I had heard broken ankles too. Right. Right, and, and and I read all the articles, and trust me, it felt like they were broken. Um, but no, I didn't. Uh, nothing broke. There's no hardware in either ankle. Um, it was just you know long recovery again because of the damage to the muscle and tissue, and uh, needing to have everything graft back together. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, especially in the last uh, 20 years, of course, you know. NASCAR is, or not just NASCAR, but you know, auto racing in general, NASCAR, ARCA, and other folks motorsports. I think they've done a lot in terms of uh, safety and you know protecting these drivers. And uh, again, I'll you know, bring it to, you know, I just can't help but praise them for, uh, for a lot of the stuff. You know, all the lives have probably saved because of all these different moves, like making the Honda device mandatory, of course, the making the safer barriers mandatory, and anything, everything else. Yeah, they've done a really good job. Uh, we had a in Arca. We used to have a guy named Mark Williams that was uh, head of safety, and before that, he had a brother named John Williams that was big into safety. And uh, you know, they were both big pushers of uh, making the Hans device mandatory and getting uh, Arca uh, more engaged with some of the safety stuff. Um, we had a lot of stuff where if you had it, it was fine. Now it has to meet SFI standards. Um, it can't be out of date. And they've done a lot of things to really make it more safe. And, uh, again, we're, we're thankful for that effort. And I think the results have paid off because I don't think we've lost a driver in ARCA since they made the Hans mandatory. And when I first got into ARCA, we, I think we were losing about a driver a year. So that's how much the safety's picked up just in the time I've been racing. So, uh, yeah, very grateful for their efforts, and uh, and they're still working at it hard. I know they go to a lot of safety seminars. You know, they stay updated, you know, with what's going on at the SEMA show as far as safety goes. Um, and, and they've got three or four officials that are dedicated strictly to making the race cars and the driver's equipment safer. So... Very thankful for that effort on their part, and like I said, the results the results are there. You know, I mean, especially a guy like me that's been around for a while, I I've seen the change, and uh, it's been definitely for the good of the sport. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. You know, the sport has evolved so much from when you started to now. It's it's amazing to look at, really. Yep, very much so. Very much so. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I think I heard somebody say that, you know, right before that happened, we had three deaths in three years. Um, I believe they were Scott Baker, Blaise uh, Alexander, and uh, Eric Martin. But yeah. Eric Martin, you know, you know, I've worked for Eric, Cad I've worked for Eric Cadell and Wayne Hickson in ARCA. So, okay. you know, they've told me about that, you know, and they still memorialize yep. him on the car. So. Yep. You know, just seeing them make that effort towards making these cars safer is really incredible to see. Yep. 
Oh, yeah. Yep, very much so. I mean, I, I was I was there when uh, you know Eric's accident happened, and uh, you know that one was so tragic, and uh, that that basically resulted in the uh, race safe system becoming mandatory in ARCA. You know, that was the big driver behind that. Because um, before that, number one, we didn't have the race safe, and number two, spotters were not mandatory. You know, they were recommended but not mandatory, and. Uh, you know, they, they saw that, that that could have been prevented had there been a spotter up on the spotting stand. Right. Um, so it, uh, unfortunately, it took a tragedy for that to happen. But I think now that they're, you know, on the ball as far as safety goes, you know, they're not waiting for tragedy to drive change. They're, they're driving it right up front. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's a little bit hard to swallow because, you know, as you improve safety, the cost goes up. And when you're on a budget, you know, you, you'd rather be laying the money out on a motor or a chassis. But, uh, you know, truth be told, it, the safety needs to be there because there's nothing worse than, you know, having to bury a race car driver. And, uh, you know, in the long run, the safety's definitely picked up. Yeah, that's always been the one thing I make sure I never cheap out on is safety equipment. Like, that's mm -hmm. the one thing I make sure, you know, don't just try to cut costs here. Make sure you're actually getting something that's going to protect you if worst-case scenario happens. Right, right. Yeah, and, and I was one of those guys that used to skimp maybe a little bit, you know what I mean? I, you know, would try and find a cheaper alternative, and when you found one, you thought you did really good for yourself. But uh, when I saw what those hospital bills were, you know, for my accident, um, you know, I was lucky I had, you know, good, and through, good insurance through my job, and we had uh, the insurance through the racing group. And because uh, that would have bankrupted me having to pay for, you know, the surgeries. I mean, it was, seemed to me, it was somewhere between 400 and a half a million dollars when all the, you know, medical expenses got added up. I mean, at first I was keeping a spreadsheet of them to keep track and make sure everything got paid right. And, uh, man, after a while I had to just quit because it was like, it's like, oh, man, this is just, these bills just kept rolling in. And, uh, you know, the helicopter ride alone, they wanted to charge $60,000, you know, for a 20-minute helicopter ride. So it, you know, it, it, I, guess, I guess you can't spend too much on safety equipment when you compare it to the cost of having to fix yourself. So, uh, you know, that's, I guess I took note of that. And I hope a lot of younger guys getting into this do the same thing because I know most guys getting in, you know, they don't have the big bucks like, you know, the front runners do. And, you know, they're going to skimp a little bit on safety stuff to try and make the car faster. And it, it's just not a good place to try and save money. It's really not. You just, you got to have the right safety equipment. And uh, I'm glad ARCA enforces it. You know, it uh, makes the safe sport safer. You know, the sport's not popular when you start losing drivers and, uh it's just something that had to be done, and I'm, I'm glad they did it. I'm glad they stepped up to the plate. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely see what, you're, what you mean there. Um, of course, you know, things have shaken up a lot this year with the uh, pandemic and everything, but I have to ask, is there any specific track that you really 
love going to, that you love racing at, over the the many tracks you have uh, driven at? Well, you know, Daytona is always special because it's Daytona. You know what I mean? It just you got to love that place for for what it is in racing and for you know for what it represents and you know it was the it was the big one there for quite a while and you know it's like our super bowl going there um and we usually have an extra day or two at that track compared to any other track and then of course going to florida in february after being stuck in snow for 3 months in michigan i mean that's always really special you know, it's a, it's just like turning the page, like, okay, we're starting a new season. You know, we get to see some warm weather finally, and it's just cool to be there. Um, and, of course, we like Talladega. I mean, Talladega's beautiful track. Uh, we've had some good runs there. You know, we've had some lead lap finishes that just outside the top ten, but still, you know, when you're on a team like a budget like ours and you can finish on the lead lap, you feel like you've won the race. And, uh, you know, Talladega is a cool track. It's fun to drive. But, you know, it's one of those places where things change real fast. And, uh, you know, I've only been airlifted out of racetracks twice, and both times it was Talladega. So, you know, you got to learn to respect a place like that. Yeah. Um, but I also, I also like the intermediates. You know, we had a, a lot of those mile-and-a-half tracks pop up you know, right around the year 2000, um, you know, the Kentucky, Chicago, Nashville, um, you know, those tracks are nice because they're, they're when they opened, they were super modern. Um, you know, when I first started going to, like, Daytona and Caladea, we didn't have a enclosed garage. It was just, it was a covered area, but it didn't have sides or anything. And when we started going to uh, some of those new intermediate tracks, they were just cool because you had a garage. You know, you could pull down the door at the end of the day, and you knew all your stuff was secure. And you know, it wasn't if it was bad weather, it wasn't going to get all rain soaked or anything like that. So, those tracks were nice. And then I like the bull rings too. You you take the Winchesters and the Salem's, where you know, yeah, it's a half mile track, but it's super high banked and. Uh, I've heard more than one long-time racer say, you know, if you can run good at Winchester and Salem, you can drive a race car. So, you know, those are, it's always fun to go there and have a good run. Um, makes you feel like you accomplished something and then, uh, you know, you're you're really part of the pack. Um, and then we like the dirt tracks and the road courses. But, uh, you know, for a budget team, the dirt tracks, you know, we've, we've destroyed a couple cars there. And actually, same thing with the road courses. I mean, the road courses are fun. It's just like going to a go-kart track. But if you're not fast, um, you get in the way a lot on a road course, too. I mean, when you're switching from inside to outside back to inside, uh, you know, if you've got a pack of fast cars coming, it, it's hard to stay out of the way. So, you know, we don't put quite the effort into the road courses or the dirt tracks. That's just a budget thing um, for what for what we get to run there versus what we got to spend. You know, it's those are the most expensive races, so we have a tendency to, you know, it's kind of a low budget backmarker team. We we just don't quite try as hard there. So and you hate going and not trying, but you know the reality is if you run out of money halfway through the season, then you're just done. 
So, right. you know, it's a, it's a balancing act. I, I wish we didn't have to do it, but, uh, you know, you got you guys race on a budget, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it's... You know, it's it's a tough situation. Of course, you mentioned the road course. If you got to run the, the Daytona road course, the same track that, of course, you know, drivers all around the world have gotten to race on, uh, was, you know, put in the Rolex 24 every January. I'm sure that was, you know, a different scenario, a different situation for you as well. Yeah, actually, when we went to Daytona, we knew we were just pretty much doing a start and park for the road course race. Um, you know, middle of the season, you know, we we didn't have the money to buy two different sets of tires, you know, one rain set, one race slick. Um, and the tires were unique for that race also, so it's not like we could, you know, grab some scuffs from one of the big teams and, uh, and run on those. So we actually only did a lap at Daytona, and uh, it had rained pretty heavy before the start of the race, and all we had were the slicks to go on, and... I about spun out in the sharp chicane turn going 15 miles an hour. I mean, that's how slick it is on that track, you know, when it's wet and you only have racing slicks on. So we uh, we took the green and then pulled off. But, again, that was a calculated decision on our part. So just something we had to do. I mean, we'd have, we'd have loved to have raced it, but, you know, we had to, we had to save our, our pennies for the rest of the season. So... That's pretty much what we did. But hopefully someday we'll go back there and run that one. I mean, it looked like a really nice course, you know, a good course to race on. And, of course, mm-hmm. it's Daytona. So, you know, who doesn't want to go to Daytona and run hard and good? But, uh, yeah, reality was that one just wasn't in the cards for us to run hard this year. That's understood. Um, oh, that, that reminds me. After your uh, top ten at Winchester, you got – a uh, tweet from Parker Klergerman that, um, if I'm correct, he and his esports team uh, were on the Bayou with set of tires for the next race. Yep, yep, and that was cool of him. That was Parker's a great guy. I mean, I'm sure you guys know he ran ARCA early in his career. So, yep. you know, he, he was familiar with ARCA. He probably remembered our team a little bit. Um, but he was a class guy. I mean, he just... He heard uh, we had a post-race interview that kind of went viral, and I don't remember exactly what I said, but I I know something was said about, you know, we had to run the whole race on one set of tires, and, you know, when you start getting over 150 laps on a set of tires, you start getting nervous about them. Um, And uh, I probably said something to that effect in the interview, and when he saw that, you know, he just, he's like, hey, I'd like to buy you guys a set of tires. So uh, so we we contacted him about two days later, and, uh, you know, he said for sure he wanted to do it. So, we, you know, we talked a little bit, you know, talk, talked about old times, you know, running an and all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I told him, I said, you know, this year we're kind of wrapping up. We don't have the money to run super hard anywhere else. So I said, what if we just wait till next year when the tires can do us more good? And he was fine with that. You know, he, he understood. You know, he, he and he said, yeah, I still want to do it for you. And uh, so just grateful for a guy like that. I mean, he, true gentleman. Uh, you know, I know he's had a successful career. 
I know he's doing well, you know, doing some broadcasting and things like that. And, uh, you know, when a class guy like that recognizes you, it makes you feel like you got to be doing something right or they wouldn't be calling you. So, uh, so yeah, we're gonna we're still gonna get some tires from Parker. Just gonna wait till next next season to do it. Um, you know, probably at one of the intermediate tracks where tires really really make a difference. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're gonna do that, and then you know we're gonna we're gonna get Parker's name on the car somewhere somehow. You know, however he wants it, and uh, you know, thankful for his support and. Uh, you know, just a great guy. I mean, I, I wish him the best. I really do. So, yeah, pull a Corey LaJoy and just put his whole face on the car. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there's Corey LaJoy on the car, and there's Corey LaJoy in the car. Well, there you go. <laughs> 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 never thought of that one, but uh, <laughs> you never know. We may just do that to him. That's why I love NASCAR's motorsports community. They know how to. People know how to have fun. And, you know, enjoy themselves and be a little goofy every now and then. Yeah, I mean, going. Yeah, as much time as we spend doing this, as much time and as much money. I mean. You know, most nights my brother and I are out in the pole barn till 10 o'clock at night working on this thing, and you put so much into it, but, man, at some point you got to enjoy it too, or else it just becomes a, a job. And I've right. never felt like racing's been a job. I mean, it's always been a, a labor of love. Um, and we're going to have fun doing it. I mean, you know, we pick on our own team members a little bit, joking around. Um, our PR guy had to push, help push start the car at Winchester, and uh, and when the car caught, you know, I just took off, and he went flying, and uh, I think that thing got more likes on Twitter or Facebook than uh, than us getting the top ten because he's a big guy and he's just sprawled out, and his cell phone is midair, and a handful of sharpies are midair, and. You know, my my sister-in-law, who took the picture, clicked it at just the right moment. And uh, so we've been teasing him all week about that one. We, you know, got to let him stick to PR. Can't let him touch the car anymore. But, but yeah, we have fun with all our crew members. I mean, all of them are good guys. Um, You know, we got a handful of people that come and work on the car every once in a while. But then we also have a lot of guys located in different spots around the country that come to certain races, and, uh, you know, we've become really good friends with those guys. We appreciate their help. A lot of them travel on their own dime, you know, which we really appreciate. And, uh, you know, I've met absolutely fantastic people in racing. Um, You know, some of the best people I've ever met have been through racing. And, uh, you know, they're dedicated. They're wholesome people. You know, they're down-to-earth, salt-of-the-earth kind of people. And... uh, you just got to love them. You just got to love them for who they are and what they do and, you know, just the fact they love coming to a racetrack and helping us. And uh, and we love help. We love their help. We like having them help us. We like, you know, hanging out with them after a day at the track, going out to dinner and stuff and just seeing how their families are doing. So it's definitely a, a lot of camaraderie at the racetrack. Oh, yeah. You know, it's something I think we've all kind of seen. Is that... Oh, yeah. 
Anyone who works in the sport knows how close everyone really is. Oh, yeah. It's one big happy family, really, at the end of it. Yep, pretty much. I mean, it, and it's not like a normal 9 to 5 where you just, you know, you're, you're, you're paid to hang out with some guys. I mean, you know, when, when you're working in something like racing, which, you know, doing something wrong can have severe consequences, it's almost like being a, a football player or a, a veteran in the army where, you know, when, you, when you're hanging out with a bunch of guys and it's, you know, literally life and death, um, there's just more of a closeness there than with a coworker at a, at a regular job. Um, and, you know, you got to respect it. And, and a lot of that's, you know, because everybody's there because they're doing what they want to do in you know, just the fact that, and it's a tough gig, and everybody's just really putting their best effort into it. And uh, like I said, I, you know, my my crew is all unpaid, but man, they're they're golden. I I wouldn't trade them for the world. So uh, just very appreciative of all of them. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of craziness going on, and I think especially in terms of news this week as well. You know, just to <laughs> cover on it real quick, I'll I'll do a quick rundown. There's just, I guess people like to joke today, 2020. You know, the, from uh, of course the big news being that Michael Jordan is going to be uh, starting a team with Denny Hamlin next season, and Bubba Wallace will be the driver. They're going to buy Jermaine Race's charter. Um, Let's see, Circuit of the Americas. Looks like that track might be. Uh, looks like that track's going to be a Cup race next season. Texas will host mm-hmm. the All Star race, replacing one of those dates. Um, and then, uh, I know, I know, I'm forgetting one other thing. Uh, Ross Chastain going to the 42 next year, and then of course uh, this morning, I think it was announced that Homestead will be the second race of the Cup schedule next year, um, so it can follow in behind Daytona, which I. I find interesting and honestly not a bad move since the fans right. of Daytona could probably turn right right back around and go, oh, cool, we can go to another race at Homestead because it's right down the road <laughs> or, you know, within the same state. So, Oh, and yep. of course, uh, Ryan Vargas picking up TikTok as a sponsor. So, what a, There you go. What a week of news. <laughs> yeah, yeah you know it's what? really awesome to see for Ryan. I really can't wait to see that car on track this weekend. Yeah. Yep, and and you know what? It's all good stuff. I mean, I, I was really happy to see that for Ross Chastain. He's been around for quite a while, and you know he's been you know a a top car, if not the winning car. He's always been very competitive, and you know just an all around good guy. And uh, glad yeah. to see somebody like that get a chance to to move up the cup and get a regular ride. And uh, you know, as far as Michael Jordan starting a team, I mean that's great too. I it's it, it's, I think it's good for the sport. Um, you know, I think NASCAR would would love to have that market a little bit more open up to minorities. And the fact that you're getting a high-profile guy like Mark, you know, Michael Jordan, and he's teaming up with Denny Hamlin, who's been in the sport forever. Um, you know, it should be a good team. Gives Bubba a chance to, uh, you know, to drive for a top-notch team. I can't imagine Michael Jordan getting involved in something that isn't a first-rate team. Um, yeah. I'm sure they'll hire a good crew chief and 
should be a competitive car. So, you know, that's that's another good thing. Um, yeah, I'm just really excited for everyone involved there, you know, especially for Bubba. You know, this could be a really big break for him here. Yep. Yeah, yep. All the sponsors he's picked up as well with uh, Columbia, DoorDash, of course, his sponsorship with Worldwide Technology. There's a lot going for him right now. That's pretty cool. Yep. Yep, we wish those guys all the luck in the world. Really do. So, and then, of course, the Homestead, Homestead deal. That makes sense. I mean, you're already at Daytona. Why not just keep going to Homestead? So yeah. uh, that'll, you know, I, I, and I got a feeling maybe the pandemic drove a little bit of that because, I, you know, this year they tried real hard to minimize the travel. They streamlined the schedule at the track. Uh, yeah. Everywhere we went this year, it was a one-day show. You know, there was no overnight deal. We didn't have to stay in hotels. Um, you know, there wasn't uh, a lot of activity at the track, which, you know, I mean, obviously we missed the fans. We missed autograph sessions. But because of the pandemic, I know they were trying to cut some of that out. And uh, I think they saw that they could streamline the schedule, you know, the at-track schedule, but still put on a really good show. So I think they're taking some lessons learned from that and, uh, you know, maybe trying to cut down on the travel for some of the teams, save them some money and travel expense. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, you got to take some positive out of this somewhere. So oh, it's just a good thing. Yep. Yeah, we definitely uh, look forward to, of course, uh, a lot of the big things that are going to come in uh, 2021. And besides that, uh, is there anything else that uh, you guys want to talk about at all or you want to make quick picks for this weekend? Do you want to make what? Quick uh, picks. picks Just who we pick who's going to do good or win the races this weekend? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I man, every time I pick, I, I'm always way wrong anyway. But, uh, you know, I, I don't have any – Real favorites, I mean, I pretty much like all the guys. I appreciate their effort, and, mm-hmm. you know, I really can't pick one over another, although I'll tell you what, I'd like to see a backmarker do real well. That always makes me feel good. Gives oh, me yeah. a little bit of hope. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Brett Moffat was always kind of at the back, and lately he's been running pretty darn good. So, you know, it's good yeah. to see a guy – put in the time and finally get to, you know, move up to a, you know, get a better deal going and, and run well, you know. I, I like seeing that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we're also seeing that with Ross Chastain. Yep. Exactly. Yep. In fact, you know, I think I'm going to say that's probably my pick for the Xfinity race. Uh, trucks, I definitely want to go with Connor Daly because he's become a friend of mine. I know it's a long shot. But he's with a decent team, so see what he can do. Yeah. Um, for trucks, uh, I'm thinking Ben Rhodes. Um, I believe Travis Pastrana is running in it, if I read that right. Yep. Yeah. So it's cool to see him. LCQ League on iRacing in real life tonight with Travis Pastrana and Connor Daly. Nice. And, uh, yeah, Xfinity. I'm liking uh, I'm liking Ross, and for Cup, uh, I'm feeling a Penske driver. 
I'm feeling Brett or Joey. Well, Las Vegas, so, yeah, it's kind of hard to go against those guys. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll probably say Brad out of the two. (laughs) I'll tell you what, for Xfinity, I'd like to see one of Johnny Davis's cars do really, really well. Uh, Johnny was a true friend of James Hilton, and, uh, you know, anytime James needed a bailout or, you know, was, was hitting a low spot, Johnny Davis was always there for him. Um, so I'd like to, I know Johnny's cars aren't necessarily front runners, but uh, I'd really like to see a good finish by any one of his four cars and even better, all four of his cars. So uh, I'm pulling I'm oh, yeah. pulling for Johnny's cars. Yep, yep. Yeah, particularly Ryan. You know, mm-hmm. I'm probably biased with that just because Ryan's a friend of mine, but uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's honestly really cool to hear these stories about James Helton, though. You know, I didn't know him very long. You know, because mm-hmm. I got into ARCA, I think 2017. But you know, he was always someone who I talked to at the track every week. He was just really quite a character. You know, I think we actually ran into him at a hotel in Winchester when we were checking in. I think Brad, you were there too. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was a really. Just really cool getting to know him. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah, he was uh, he was definitely legend. I mean, he was a trailblazer, and especially for some of us smaller guys, um, you know, James never had a a major sponsor, um, but he was uh, runner up in Cup three different times. You know, twice to Petty and once to Pearson. Uh, he was a Rookie of the Year. Um, I mean, he just did real well for having very little. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I just thought it was an honor to get to drive for one of the guys that I admired as a kid. And, and the reason I admired him, you know, my dad worked at Chrysler, you know, when I was growing up. And uh, I remember the the winged Charger Daytonas, and, uh, you know, they called them the winged warriors. And, you know, Petty and uh, Bobby Isaac and James Hilton were three of the guys, Buddy Baker, that were the winged warriors. And uh, so, you know, from a very young age, I remember James Hilton. And uh, he did a ton for the sport. Like I said, he did a lot for the little guys. Uh, He was a character, I'll tell you that. But uh, it was just cool to get to drive for a guy like that. And... uh, and I learned a lot from him, too. You know, I raced against him for a number of years in ARCA, you know, and then and then when I was out, you know, he asked me to drive his cars. And uh, like I said, I, I learned a lot from him. I learned how to ru- race on a budget from James. You know, James was, you know, James was like broke when he passed away. But, uh, you know, he was still racing. And, uh, you know, we all said he was going to race till he died, and that's exactly what happened. And uh, But I learned how to keep a team going, you know, just watching what he did, listening to what he did, learning why he did what he did. Um, and it's kept me going now, just keeping his old team going. You know, I'm still doing a lot of the things that James did. And uh, just an honor. And he was a true Southern gentleman. You know, he uh, he's just a great guy. And, uh, you know, we, we just hope he's – I hope he's happy seeing what we're doing right now. So – I'm sure he is. I agree. I'm sure he is. I remember as a kid um, when he, 
attempted the, I think it was the 2007 Daytona 500. I actually remember cheering for him to see if he could yep. uh, make the race. Yep. Yeah, same here. Right. Yep. And, wh- and yeah, I think was he was in it until the last corner or something like that of the qualifying race. So yeah. he he just barely, barely missed it. But. Yeah, you know, I think I, uh, I think I noticed that too when they went into uh, his history, and then my mom started talking about how she used to watch him race. So just kind of started pulling for him right there. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, James was in the sport down there when it began. I mean, he was a crew chief for Rex White crew chief for Ned Jarrett. I mean, you know, a lot of the big names he crew chiefed, and then he got in the car himself and did quite well. So he, uh, definitely a character, definitely a character. We love sitting around listening to his stories or listening to him tell stories to people at the track. You know, you'd, you'd kind of start half listening, and then before you know it, you're just sitting there just watching and listening and uh, just kind of starstruck by it all. So, uh you know, we're, we're hoping someday they see they see fit to put him in the uh, NASCAR Hall of Fame. We think that'd be just the greatest thing in the world. So uh, we're kind of pushing that deal through NASCAR. So I'm hoping we're successful. A guy named Jeff Droke out of Memphis is uh, is kind of the leader on that one, and uh, he's pushing hard and he's making some connections and uh, doing some lobbying. And uh, like I said, uh, don't be surprised if you see a James Hilton for you know, the Hall of Fame on the side of our car pretty soon. I think it's coming. Yeah, I think we can both keep behind that. Definitely. Yep. So, anyway, well, listen, guys, i got to get back on the road. So uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and sign off, if you don't mind. All right. Thank you so much yeah, for coming absolutely. on. It was great talking to you. All right, good yeah, talking you. to you guys, too. Yep, yep. All right. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Brad. Yep. Bye bye. And your selector. Okay. But it's definitely coming from that general area. The 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 shifter shaft. Okay. But man, it's. So that was uh, Brad Smith, uh, who was there with us here today. Uh, big, big special thanks to him for... Yeah, I think he's still on. Let me try something. Okay. Um, so, uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up here on the podcast. Uh, I want to thank everyone so much for listening to... Uh, today's podcast again a special thanks to brad smith it was absolutely great having him on and uh with that from brad smith michael klein and myself alex gray we're signing off and we will talk to you guys next time bye thank you this episode is sponsored by schwans.com what are you having for dinner tonight hmm good question Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. 
Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.